Now, the wealth protection diva is a successful entrepreneur, business owner, and premier business strategist, president and CEO of Sage International Incorporated, and a national speaker, best-selling author, and motivational teacher of financial education, business development, and wealth protection strategies, the joys and frustrations of being a business owner. Her insights are motivating, her frankness inspiring. Here is Sherry Hill. Companies are prone to making mistakes. Not having a board of directors is one I'd like to explain why I believe every company, whether a for-profit corporation, a non-profit, or limited liability company should have an active board, whether it's a one-person operation or a mid-sized company. In all the years I've worked with entrepreneurs, one thing I've noticed is that entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs have common characteristics, one of which is that they are, on average, very strong-willed individuals. This makes sense when you think about what kind of person decides to venture out on his or her own. Although a good thing, this strength can also be a weakness because it can morph into a dangerous strand of stubbornness that can negatively impact a business. Even the entrepreneurs who are pleasant and calm on the outside tend to be fairly dogmatic people deep down and not great listeners. They struggle with the process of obtaining and then integrating advice from outside sources. If I had to identify one reason for the failure of entrepreneurs I have known, it would be this, stoneheadedness. Starting a board of directors and maximizing its usefulness may not be high on your list, but as your business grows, having an active board can provide significant advantages. My fabulous guest today, Diana Hoffman, is an experienced entrepreneur, business attorney, legislative advocate, and adjunct professor at the University of Nevada, Reno. After years in law and business, as well as having a side career in opera, production, and performance, she is poised to lead an organization, whether for-profit or non-profit, into successful expansion or restructuring. Let's start by first defining why every business owner needs a board. So welcome, Diana. First of all, it's important to note what the responsibility of the board of directors is. I mean, first of all, it is their responsibility to set forth policies for the companies, to ensure that core values are being followed. Ethics is extremely important when it comes to establishing a board of directors. And as you indicated in your opening, entrepreneurs are generally very strong-willed. You need to have that counterpoint. You need to have people who will indicate to the founder and to the CEO that the direction of the company needs to have a broader spectrum of ideas, as well as to ensure that certain guidelines are followed. All right. So strategically, a board of directors is going to help you either pursue the bigger vision or help set a bigger vision. 
Or take that bigger vision and ensure that it's focused in a particular direction. Because if you do not focus, if you utilize a whole bunch of different opportunities that may not be going in the same direction, then you're spreading your company too thin. And that is to ensure failure rather than success. So a board can also keep you on track. All right. Well, let's let's talk about that because obviously in the entrepreneur world, there's a lot of startups, maybe person of one. Then we have family-owned businesses, which, my gosh, if anybody needs an outside perspective, it would be that. Nonprofit organizations and, of course, the for-profit. So what types of boards are available to me? Well, first of all, there are different types of boards. The board of directors, legally, is actually the ones who set forth the policies of the company. They'll hire the CEO. They'll hire maybe top management or approve top management. They'll set forth or or approve the budgets and also to ensure uh, fiscal responsibility. But then there are advisory boards. Now, I've had experience with advisory boards. I've even advised not only companies, but academia to have advisory boards. They, if, for example, the company has science or technology, you may want a science or technology advisory board. And you can also have a business advisory board. And these generally are people who do not make decisions for the company, which is like the board of directors who will make decisions, but they will make recommendations to management. They may even provide resources to management in order to help the business moving forward. The board of directors can act as both the advisory board and the governing board, but it's important to note the distinction. Right. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with guest Diana Hoffman, who is an experienced business attorney. And we're talking about boards, boards of directors, and certainly even in LLCs, you need to have that, uh, even if it's an advisory capacity. But let, let's talk about, because the, the function of a board in a for-profit versus a non-profit, well, there's a core that's somewhat the same, their roles and responsibilities are a little bit different. Yes. In a nonprofit, for example, it is extremely important that the people who are on the board are there because they believe in the cause. They believe in the purpose of the nonprofit. If the nonprofit is, say, a foundation, not a charitable organization, but one a foundation in which to uh, build funding for charities, then you want to have people on that board who are not only familiar with funding, but also familiar with charities because they will help in determining which is the best type of charities to focus on or which types of organizations that they will look at and to vet them. So you want people who are experienced on that board. You always want, whether for profit or nonprofit, a diversified board. And when I say diversified, I mean in terms of their backgrounds and occupations. But one of the important things for a nonprofit board is that 
you want the board to have experience in the particular area of the nonprofit's organization. So the mission. The mission. Absolutely the mission. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if it's a health-oriented nonprofit, you want people on there not only in the uh, medical and scientific field, but also those who have operated various health care organizations because they understand the budgetary requirements and the line items that are important as well as what personnel are necessary. If the nonprofit organization is for a um, business purpose but a nonprofit business purpose, in other words, to help and support businesses out there. You want people who have had the experience in business to who have developed businesses and developed organizations on there. To have people who are not experienced on there will not give the kind of direction that is necessary. Right. So let, let's talk about, so if I'm, you know, thinking of bringing on a board of directors or an advisory board, I mean, how many is too many? That is a wonderful question, Sherry, because you have some, whether it's nonprofit or for-profit organizations, you have some boards that have too few and some that have too many, okay? Uh, For me, when you are a growing organization, an entrepreneurial organization, you know, too many voices is not good, but too few will not give you the kind of diversified concepts that you need and background that you need. When uh, we're talking about an early stage company, I like to see five on the board. Okay, because you'll have somebody on there who would be creditable in the funding or financing, somebody credible in the industry itself. When you're growing that organization, third parties are going to look to see who you have around you to advise you, to bring you to the next level. And it's also important if you're a larger company. Uh, So many large companies, uh, public companies, have like 20 or even more on their board. And half the time, most of them don't even show up. They have to count for a quorum. Um, There are various committees from the board, such as an audit committee and, you know, marketing committee, various committees on the boards. And so you do need more people. In a larger organization, I really think that a limitation of 15 maximum, because again, why are you putting these people on the board? Do you just want their influence, their contacts? Do you really want their input? What kind of characteristics are you looking for to help your organization? As I said, in um, for nonprofits, it's extremely important, I'd say, to have maybe seven people on the board. Now, you notice I'm talking always in terms of an odd number of yes. people. Yes, yes. <laughs> because you don't want ties. You don't want, you know, four, four, and four against. Right, right. 
I want to continue this conversation with Diana Hoffman on the types of people you should consider inviting to serve on your board. The best advice is sage advice. This is Christiana Frank Daniels from Reno, Nevada. You are listening to the Sherry Hill Radio Show. Sherry Hill is the wealth protection diva. Sherry Hill is simply a gem in this community. And thank you for helping our local businesses. Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own? Or worse, using one of those $99 plus state fee sites? Well, first, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should? like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes. For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put the proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started on the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. SunTech Solar Screening adds elegance, comfort, and privacy to your home. 3529396. SunTech Solar Screens block up to 90% of the sun's heat and glare. SunTech Solar Screening proudly features Pfeiffer Screening products. 3529396. SunTech Solar Screening combines. Attention all residents of Northern Nevada. This is a high heat alert. Temperatures will be in the high 90s and 100s for an extended period of time. Call SunTech Solar Screening to block the sun and heat from your windows. Now back to our commercial. Don't suffer any longer as temperatures soar into the 90s and 100s. 3529396. Senior citizen and military discounts. SunTech Solar Screens pay for themselves with lower cooling costs all summer long. Make shade while the sun shines. Call SunTech Solar Screening for a free estimate. 3529396 SunTech Solar Screening. With a board of directors, your business immediately gains legitimacy and a panel of expertise you may not otherwise have in-house. Directors with specialized expertise such as law, finance, and marketing become a valued resource providing guidance and much-needed advice in critical centers of the business. Your board can help develop business plans, handle policy issues, and also help focus overall business strategy. Directors monitor a company's financial strength and the success of its product and services. Selecting board members from your business community can also bring greater awareness from the community at large. My guest, Diana Hoffman, is an attorney and adjunct professor at UNR. Her specialties include public speaking, structuring businesses for growth, and working with national and international governments in many areas of economic development. If you'd like to reach out to her, please call 775-682-1777. Diana. Yes. The most effective boards are comprised of diverse, strong-willed people with their own viewpoints. So let's talk about why you want board members who are fearless about offering advice, guidance, feedback, or argument. 
I have so many perfect examples of that. It's hard to know where to start. First of all, let's talk about for-profit companies that are in a growth stage. All right. You obviously want people in the industry where your business is growing. Okay, so for example, if you're in the health industry, you want people who have been experienced in growing health organizations. If it's in the food and beverage industry, people on there who are in that industry. You want people who have finance backgrounds because, again, you're having them review your budgetary growth and to ensure that you're Uh, numbers are your revenues your expenses are in line for such growth and you at times want to have an attorney on the board you notice I'm a little reticent (laughs) on that one but I do think it's very important to have someone who does understand what the laws are both federal and state laws so it is important to have an attorney Um, you may want to have an attorney who is not necessarily the law firm that you've hired for your outside counsel. The other important aspect of who you want to have on your board, there are different views about how many of your inside management should be on the board. Okay, There is one view that says, well, other than the CEO, you shouldn't have anybody else on the board. I have had the experience of having both the CFO and the CEO on the board and the experience of not having anyone else on the board. There is a major company, I won't indicate which one, but there is a major company where the CEO had everyone on the board except one person that was an insider. Mm. Everyone was an insider except for he had one independent they went from an early stage company to a multi-billion dollar company and they kept that board the same. Now, I think that's more of the exception than the rule. Well, I I would think so because obviously if the vision is set and the strategy is set, who better to keep the the train on the rails, right? Well, and a lot of times you've heard, especially in growth companies, where the board gets upset with management and throws the baby out with the bathwater. They'll get rid of the founder and uh, and then they, you should pardon the expression, founder. <laughs> right. <laughs> the other, uh, and, and I think a good example of that is actually Apple Computer. You know, when they got rid of Steve Jobs and, um, you know, they uh, brought in outside CEOs, uh, it really didn't go well because Steve was not only the spirit, but he really understood where the direction of the company should go. And so it's extremely, sometimes you have to get rid of the founder. Sometimes the founder is just to the point where they are not only so stubborn, but they cannot see the forest for the trees. They can't move it to the next level. So unless the founder is willing to take a a different position, you know, whether it's chief scientific officer or CEO or some other uh, position, chief marketing officer, um, then that founder may have to step aside. 
All right, this is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with guest Diana Hoffman, and we're talking about how you really, as a business owner, grow your company to the next level, and oftentimes that requires you to bring on a board, whether it's an advisory board or just people, peers, that you can have an intelligent conversation with that are going to give you perhaps a bit of advice or a little bit of feedback or sometimes really challenge your thought process. And I'm kind of known for that when I serve on boards, not that I'm in disagreement, but because my brain is all around marketing all the time, I'm always thinking about the awareness and how to build awareness. And sometimes I struggle with those that are so, this is the way it has to be done, you know, and... One of the things that's extremely important, when the board discusses strategies, talks about the strategic planning, they will ask management to put together a strategic plan. And then it's extremely important for that strategic plan to be taken apart and then put back together. It may end up like the original strategic plan, but there has to be respect on that board. Okay, it's not just a question of tearing something apart that management has done. It's a question of offering what is in the best interest of the company. And I think that's where you need to not just have strong-willed individuals, but respectful individuals, people that you feel you can trust. I'll never forget, we had a, a gentleman come on to a board of a life science company that I co-founded, who was amazing. He was fantastic. He was one of the foremost consumer product CEOs in the company, in the country, and both nationally and internationally. And we were healthcare oriented, and he strongly felt that we should be consumer products oriented. He indicated when the strategic plan was put forth that it was to continue in the health care orientation that he really couldn't add value to the board so he stepped off later in another company that um, I was president of which was a a beverage company we had him come on the board and he was wonderful and he was a fantastic mentor and he was tremendous in terms of bringing in contacts so you, an individual that you respect and that has tremendous experience and knowledge may not fit on one board because of the direction it's going, but may fit on another board. Right. The most important thing with regards to your business and establishing a board of directors is establishing the relationship between management and the board. And when I say relationship, I mean genuine respect. You don't have to agree, but you need to respect each other. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, bringing on people that have diversity and skills and talents and knowledge, you need a core of, yeah, we know this industry, but to also sometimes that odd opinion or thought process or, gee, have you ever thought about this can bring so much value to an organization. And I've always said you can't solve the same problems with the minds that created it. So you need others out here that you can bounce ideas 
However, I have sat on boards where it seems like it's taken us years, and I mean literally years, to finally figure out what are we doing? Why are we here? And it gets frustrating for people that are more entrepreneurial in nature to keep peeling back the onion and revisiting the strategy and so on instead of let's just take some action. One of the problems in both for-profit and non-profits is the relationship between the board and management. I think it's extremely important for management to be there even before the board, okay? Mm -hmm. Because management really needs to set aside some time to figure out where they want to go. That founder and maybe uh, one or two other people with them, they need to figure out what they need, what they want, where they want to develop their business. They need to do research on it. Don't expect your board to do the research for you. All right. Do not expect that. (laughs) That's management's job. And then utilize that board in terms of the people in their experience that they bring their different experience to bear in giving you feedback on that strategic plan. After this message from our sponsors, I want to explore with Diana Hoffman how you, if you decide to serve on a board, avoid any claims for breach of your legal duties. We'll be right back. This is Dr. Travis Adlington, optometrist at Adlington Eye Center. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because of her wealth of knowledge and her willingness to share this knowledge. High-level thinkers have great vision, and they listen to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is a wealth protection diva. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. So, you're thinking about buying investment real estate. Getting the right mortgage is a critical part of your decision. This is Lou Carr, branch manager of Summit Funding in Sparks, Nevada. With today's extremely affordable mortgage interest rates, you have the opportunity to step into what could be the best investment purchase you'll ever make. How do you go about it? First, get pre-approved with a mortgage lender like Summit Funding. Then, find the right property at the right price. Summit Funding is ready to talk with you about getting a mortgage to purchase real estate. Visit summitfunding.net slash L-C-A-R-R or call 775-626-0775 for personal service. This is Lou Carr from Summit Funding, NMLS number 258750. Thank you. Summit Funding is an equal housing lender. If you have comments about today's show or any questions, please email sherry at Show. 
Have you ever been in a situation where a board you're serving on has made a decision that you think is very wrong and will have severe negative consequences for the organization? Or where you think an important decision has been railroaded through? It's a fact that when you serve on a board, you have legal obligations and more important, could be liable if you and your fellow board members don't keep the organization out of trouble. Today, I'm talking with Diana Hoffman, an experienced business lawyer, entrepreneur, adjunct professor at UNR, and a true entertainer who loves to sing. But Diana, before we talk about your singing, I want to talk about our rights when serving on a board, which primarily are to be safe, well-informed, and protected. So what are some of the considerations we need to think about before making a decision to serve or if you find yourself already on a board that is clearly not a good fit? Sherry, this is probably one of the most important areas in boards of directors. The Sarbanes-Oxley Act of 2002 came about because of the Enron and WorldCom fiascos. The question is whether or not the board, who, by the way, has fiduciary responsibilities directly to the shareholders, the investors in the company, not just a founder or someone working in the company, it's important for there to be adequate disclosures It's important for there to be the kinds of ethical guidelines, no secret hidden agendas, that you are focused on the mission of the company, but also the ethics of the company. So that when the core values are established, and when I talk about core values, for example, I'm talking about the fact that there has to be full disclosures. When you go to get employed by a company, you submit a resume. The information on that resume must be accurate. There was an instance, for example, where a chief medical officer turned out not to have his medical license. He had been suspended. He did not disclose that. The liability to the company, which was a products company, a healthcare products company, was huge. The board has responsibility to ensure that its management team has been correctly vetted and cleared. There must also be clarity in terms of the communications with the shareholders as to the status of the company. So many times you hear that the company has not done something ethically and has not disclosed it to the shareholders. The establishment of directors and officers liability insurance is to protect anyone going on a board of directors against negligence, okay, making mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. What you don't want is somebody on there who will directly lie, misrepresent, have a secret hidden agenda that is to the detriment of the company, having a conflict of interest. And what I mean by a conflict of interest is that they may be actually benefiting from a decision that they're making for the company personally. 
I was honored to be on former President Bush's corporate responsibility panel at the Economic Summit, which was shortly after the establishment of Sarbanes-Oxley. Now, while that act was for public companies, and I was CEO of a private company, nevertheless, the moral aspects of it are the same. The legal aspects are truly similar because if you don't act in transparency, if you are not open in terms of what you are doing with the company and outside of the company, then it will be not only to the detriment of the company, but to third parties. It has literally caused deaths. For example, Tesla right now is in a really gray area. They have to make sure that what has happened in terms of those automatic cars that drive themselves are truly fail-safe. And if not, that warnings need to happen. And it's not to say that Tesla has any liability there. I don't know one way or the other. But they need to ensure by checking and double-checking, and their board needs to ensure that those safety checks are there. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with guest Diana Hoffman. And we're talking about the legal rights and duties that you have if you want to serve on a board. Before serving on a board, though, what are some of the things that I should be asking this organization to provide me so that I am up to speed with their financial position or any pending litigation or things like that? When I first... um Uh, moved up here to Nevada from California, and I was being interviewed to be an executive director of a nonprofit. One of the first things I asked for was the uh, last three years P&L balance sheet, okay, the financial statements. And I was told that out of 22 applicants, I was the only one who had asked for it. That one blew my mind. Right. It doesn't matter if it's for profit or not for profit. You need to understand and know, as whether you're going into management or on the board of directors, the financial condition of the company. If you are going on the board of directors, you need to know whether or not there have been any claims in the past or any outstanding claims against the organization. Are there any disputes going on at this time? Is there any potential litigation, not just actual litigation, but potential litigation? What is the current strategic plan for the company? Is there one? Is there a business plan? Make sure you have reviewed that business plan and actually interview the management to ensure that they are in line with that business plan. You know as well as I do, Sherry, how many companies will put together a strategic or business plan, shove it in the drawer and totally ignore it. So what are the funding needs of the company? That's also important. What's the future funding needs? What does the company expect from you? Why are they asking you to be on the board? Exactly. So in a nonprofit, I'm real clear that board members should be a doer, a donor, or a door opener. For a privately held company, it more than likely is falling into because you have a certain area of expertise or 
experience within that particular industry or are just someone that really can bring additional thought process to the table as well as maybe some professional expertise for example in terms of connections with auditing or you know finance or funding that's terribly important a lot of early stage companies they need people on their board of directors who can help them structure a funding plan most early stage companies have no clue how to structure a funding plan. You want somebody experienced on the board who knows how to do that. The duty, the fiduciary responsibilities to the organization, obviously the staff and the employees and all of that. Then you also have the legal rights to the outside world, which is, do you know what's going on with this organization? I just finished teaching at uh, University of Nevada, Reno, legal environment and business. And one of the important things that I had our students do is to learn what regulatory matters, what laws are applicable to particular types of businesses. And you may want to have someone on your board that's good with government relations, knows how to get grants, knows how to literally wind their way through a government bureaucracy. That may be very key in the establishment of your board. It's not about showing up once a month, having a free lunch or a free breakfast, and not being a participant in the organization. Once you sign your name to the dotted line that says, I am now on the board, there's a whole nother level of legal issues and financial issues that you are responsible for. A person goes on the board and it feels really good and they hear a report from management you know once a month or once a quarter whenever it is and they vote on something and then they leave one of the problems which really caused enron and worldcom is the lack of oversight by the board knowing what is really going on within that organization you don't want to just get a report you want some validation of that report And as a director, you are responsible that that organization is going in the right direction and following ethical principles. I want to switch gears and we're going to talk to Diana Hoffman about one of her favorite things to do, which may just surprise you. But first, we're going to hear from my friend Rocket Tom, someone who helps me think outside the globe. This is Rocket Tom challenging you to think outside the globe. Have you ever taken the time to define what the word quality means to you in your business and personal life? Does good quality mean conformance to specifications, goodness, great value, or perhaps it's just minimally acceptable? Does poor quality mean substandard, unreliable, unsafe, of little value, or less than your expectations? You'll continually be disappointed and frustrated if you do not establish standards of quality for your organization. That means quantifying what is unacceptable in products and services, what's minimally acceptable, and what is excellence. These parameters must be quantified, documented, and shared with everyone from employees to suppliers and to customers. If you're manufacturing pharmaceuticals or performing brain surgery, 
minimal acceptable quality is 100%, right? If you're manufacturing consumer products, the standards might be safety and life expectancy based on the cost and the value of the product. If you have no such standards of quality, your products and services will continually be inconsistent and customers may become victims instead of highly motivated referrals for you. To learn more about thinking outside the globe, you can find me on the web at rockatom.com. Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own? Or worse, using one of those $99 plus state fee sites? Well, first, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should? like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes. For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put the proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started on the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779 or visit sageintl.com. SunTech Solar Screening adds elegance, comfort, and privacy to your home. 3529396. SunTech Solar Screens block up to 90% of the sun's heat and glare. SunTech Solar Screening proudly features Pfeiffer Screening Products. 3529396. SunTech Solar Screening combines. Attention all residents of Northern Nevada. This is a high heat alert. Temperatures will be in the high 90s and 100s for an extended period of time. Call SunTech Solar Screening to block the sun and heat from your windows. Now back to our commercial. Don't suffer any longer as temperatures soar into the 90s and 100s. 3529396. Senior citizen and military discounts. SunTech solar screens pay for themselves with lower cooling costs all summer long. Make shade while the sun shines. Call SunTech Solar Screening for a free estimate. 3529396. SunTech Solar Screening. This is Diana Hoffman, entrepreneur, attorney, educator, and professional vocalist. You are listening to the Sherry Hill Radio Show. When you're empowered, you are at your best. Empowered people listen to the Sherry Hill Radio Show. Thank you, Sherry. If you missed any part of today's show and would like to listen to the podcast, please visit SherryHillShow.com. Have you ever left a performance feeling so energized you talked about it for days? It's not just because the person sang on key or because the songs were catchy. It's because you felt the music so deeply it transported you. That's the difference between a singer and an entertainer. My talented guest, Diana Hoffman, who we've been talking about all things business because she is a business attorney, we're switching gears. An acronym that I used in my class and which I use in my life is POPS, P-O-P-P-S. The first one is passion. You have to be passionate about what you're doing. You have to be optimistic in achieving your goals and objectives. You have to, the next P is perseverance to get you over the speed bumps of life. The next P is patience, to be patient with yourself as well as with others. And S is to have a sense of humor. 
Music has been in my life from inception, quite frankly. My father had a light concert orchestra on the side of his medical practice. He played about 12 instruments. I remember as a young child when the orchestra was practicing in our house, you know, sneaking out of bed and and hiding under the piano of which everybody could see me. I used to stand on the piano and sing to Mario Alonza on the radio. You young people probably don't even know who he is. <laughs> but regardless of the fact, music has always been a wonderful release for me. And actually, I didn't start studying voice until I was waiting for the bar exam results um, in my mid-20s. Before that, I played piano and violin. And, um, you know, I sang on the side, but it was not a real serious instrument to me until someone suggested I study opera. And I was honored to be accepted by the great Frederick Yagel, former Metropolitan Opera tenor, who was teaching in San Francisco. As a matter of fact, he also taught uh, David Gockley, who has just retired as the general director of San Francisco Opera. He taught at the New England Conservatory of Music in San Francisco as well. So uh, it turned out I had a voice. And it was, it has enabled me to sing all over the world to people who enjoy music. And I'm not a shy person, obviously. And it's something that I feel is a gift that when you are, are given a gift, it is wrong for you to not share it. Right. The other night we were having cocktails and hors d'oeuvres and you shared a funny story about your first date with your husband of many years. I was an attorney at the time. I had my law practice in San Jose, California, and uh, my future husband was court executive officer of the Superior Court in Santa Clara County. And I go in to seek about filing some papers, and he asked me to go to a judge's barbecue. Now, being an attorney, you're always intimidated by the judges. I went to the barbecue with him, which was up outside in top of a mountain in the Santa Clara Hills, and all of the judges were there with their wives. In other words, there were no other attorneys and no other non-spouses. So here I was sitting there, and I was eating corn on the cob. Now, any of the you who are familiar with doing anything with singing, the last thing you want is to be eating corn on the cob, okay? Besides the starch and the fact that you probably have kernels in your teeth, it's no fun. Well, one of the most intimidating judges... Uh, came up to me. He had been in charge of the barbecue, and he said, I understand that you sing opera. And I looked at him, and I said, "Uh, yes, Your Honor, you know, in my professional manner, right? And he said, will you sing for us? Well, the concept of saying no to the man who's going to decide your case the following week is not one that an attorney relishes. So consequently, I said yes. But I didn't think he was going to 
mean right then and there. And he did. I gave a real dirty look to my future husband. At that time, I was thinking we may not even have a second date. Um, And I stood up and um, I sang. And I sang an Italian aria. And to my great surprise, a number of the people in uh, there were actually mouthing the words. So it was amazing, and yes, I did sing. I don't know if it was the best singing I've ever done, but it certainly was uh, spontaneous. Yeah, no warm-up, spitting corn out of your teeth. Very attractive, I'm sure. Uh, Yeah, I'll never forget it. Obviously, I haven't. We've now been married almost 34 years, so that'll tell you. Part of what we've been talking about, why have a board of directors, is that you don't have to do all the thinking yourself. That's correct. <laughs> you know, we talk about workaholics. And believe me, I raised my hand. I was definitely a workaholic. But you have to have balance in your life. And one of the things that singing did for me was not only as a release, but also as a distraction. You need to get back to your work with freshness. And you can't be fresh if you're always in it. So you need to have other activities. And they should be quite different activities, physical, you know, as well as different mental activities. I would agree. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with talented guest, Diana Hoffman, entrepreneur and someone who can help organizations really grow to that next level. Also, she can be hired for your next organization's barbecue or a special event to sing. So go to Diana Hoffman Sings. No corn if you invite her to the barbecue. I'm a huge advocate of the playa. Peter and I go out to the playa all by ourselves and literally for five days there is no phone, there's no sound basically. What an awesome environment to just chill out, relax. It's extreme camping. What I find is after about the second day, pretty soon my mental, I start to think about things and I get epiphanies and ahas because I have turned my business brain off. It's really exciting, but I've learned that for so many years. I never was a workaholic. I just work really hard when I work. Sherry, one of the other things that I've always loved is I'm an equestrian. I love to ride horses. And I had a little Arabian for almost 30 years, just lost him a couple of years ago, but had him from the time he was a baby. And what I would do on weekends is I would go ride him in the forest, up in the hills, just by myself away. Sometimes I would sing to him. Sometimes he liked it. Sometimes he didn't. And he would let me know. But regardless, being out alone in nature is rejuvenating. And it does help you redirect your thoughts, get some freshness, get some new ideas, as well as the fact it helps you to relax. You know, our bodies need relaxation. We can't always be in a stress mode. So whether you go out on the playa, whether you go fishing, whether you go sailing or surfboarding, what if, hang gliding, although I won't jump out of a plane, <laughs> not yet anyway. The point here is doing something that is so different than your work is healthy for not just you, 
but also healthy for your business. Yes, and everyone in the business. It, it just is, starts from the top down, and everyone should be having a good time and relaxing and not working weekends. We've been talking about the importance of having a diverse board for your organization, whether you're a one-man band or a 500 publicly traded company. doesn't matter. You need that team around you that are going to help you really stay on track, grow to the next level, and really plan in advance. Whether you have already started a business, you're going to start a business, or you're in the middle of a business, okay, that plan, who will be your best type of advisors and overseers? You know, give yourself that kind of feedback that you need to gain perspective of what you're doing. And also make sure that they are people that you know and trust don't just ask a stranger to be on the board without vetting them without having a lot of conversations with them just because they're a named person someone well known does not mean that they will fit onto your board your board of directors has to be like your shoes you don't want to be squeezed too tight but on the other hand you don't want it to be too loose And if the person that you're bringing onto the board doesn't ask important questions. Well, to me, that's an indication. If they don't ask you questions, how little their interest is in what you're doing. Thank you, Diana, for being here. I have enjoyed this conversation as we have had many and will continue on that path with building our relationship. I really appreciate your background, your experience, your knowledge, and anyone that wants to reach out to you to get to know you, to hear you sing, or to have you help them grow their organization to the next level. Anything dealing with business, please contact me Hoffman, H-O-F-F-M-A-N dot Diana, D-I-A-N-A at gmail dot com. And my phone number, area code 775-682-1777. If it pertains to my singing, dianahoffmansings.com and my email and phone number on the website. And Sherry, it has been an enormous pleasure being here today. Thank you so much for inviting me. Great. We'll catch up soon. The Sherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. Send her a message on Facebook.com slash Sherry Hill Show. And tune in next week, same time, same station, for The Sherry Hill Show. Hi, this is Peter Padilla, your host on Nevada Real Estate Radio. Visit our website, NevadaRealEstateRadio.com, to listen to the podcasts from the experts in the real estate business. NevadaRealEstateRadio.com. SunTech Solar Screens block up to 90% of the sun's heat and glare. SunTech Solar Screening proudly features Pfeiffer Screening products. Make shade while the sun shines. SunTech Solar Screening, 352-9396. SunTech Solar Screening.